Hello and welcome back to the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. As always, we remind ourselves with this podcast that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. We are looking at 3 John this week on the podcast. It's just uh, 14 verses, so just a short chapter, but a very important epistle. And uh, 3 John, as we look at this, it has a lot of similarities to what we looked at in 2 John last week. John uh, begins the letter the same way. He introduces himself as the elder. He mentions the fact again that he has a great joy and the fact that his children walk in the truth, verse number four. And also again, at the end of this letter, John wraps things up by saying that he has much left to say, but he doesn't want to say them on pen and paper, but in person. And uh, we made note of that last week, and we'll make note of that again this week. But uh, what I really like about the epistle of Third John is that it gives three important character studies. The characters that we're going to notice in this book, and I say characters, probably the best way to say it would be people, but uh, you know, you know what we mean. But uh, the three that we will notice are Gaius, uh, to whom the epistle is written, also Diotrephes, uh, who is a troublemaker in this particular epistle, and then Demetrius is another uh, Christian who has uh, a good testimony in this book. So let's go ahead and begin in looking at verses 1 through 4, John's introduction. Verse number 1 says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Notice that John loved Gaius in the truth. Don't forget, we talked about this last week, which is uh, the fact that the inseparable link between love and truth is shown in these books. You cannot separate them. They're not mutually exclusive. To truly love someone is to tell them the truth. Verse number two says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. This is a good attitude to have toward a fellow Christian. Notice that there's emphasis placed on both physical and spiritual well-being. John acknowledges that Gaius's soul was already prospering, and he hoped that physically he was prospering as well. This is just common courtesy. This is really the golden rule, seeking the best for someone else, just as you would hopefully seek the best for yourself also. Verse number three says, For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you, as, uh, you walk in the truth. We talked about walking last time. It is uh, not uncommon for brethren to come and report to the apostles about how other brethren are doing, and that is what's taking place here in verse number three. Uh, it's similar to the report that Paul was given from the household of Chloe. When you think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, unfortunately, the Corinthian report was that of a bad situation because the Corinthians were dividing over men. But uh, this is a glowing report on behalf of Gaius that is given to the Apostle John. Again, it says that he was walking in the truth. And then John says, I have no greater joy, verse 4, than to hear that my children walk in truth. So this is just like verse number 4 of Second John, same idea in verse 4 of Third John. John was very happy to see that his children Spiritually speaking, we're walking in the truth. And again, we talked about the importance of walking 
really in all three of these epistles, certainly we talked about it last week, but also in First uh, John chapter 1, walking in the light is what we're supposed to do as well. It's a, it's a lifestyle of faithfulness. It is a lifestyle in which when we do slip from time to time, uh, we confess those things, we re- repent of them, and we pray for forgiveness. And we've talked about that at length in this study of, uh, of John's epistles. Verses 5 through 8, this is where we really get into the character study of Gaius. Verse 5 says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So he's talking to Gaius because, again, you see in verse number 1, to the beloved Gaius. So he calls him beloved again, and he says, You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. So Gaius was well known then in whatever he did for doing it faithfully, and that should be the case with Every Christian, Uh, all of us as everyday Christians, whatever we do, it should be characterized as faithfulness. Not only did Gaius do everything he did faithfully, but he also acted faithfully both towards brethren and towards strangers. That is, Christians and non-Christians and how he treated them. So you don't need to underestimate the importance of your impact uh, among brethren and among the lost Uh, those who are not saved around us. We have a tremendous impact, and we can set a good example for others, both our brethren and those who are not saved, uh, or we won't if we're not living faithfully. So very, very important. Verses 6 and 7 says, Who have borne witness of your love before the church? If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well, because they went forth for his name's sake taking nothing from the Gentiles. So these people that were having interactions with Gaius, they bore witness of Gaius's love before the church. Now, wouldn't you have loved to have known Gaius? He sounds like a a wonderful brother in Christ. Gaius evidently was well known for sending brethren forth, and so that probably indicates that uh, because of his love for the church and I think we can safely assume that evidently he must have been a man of considerable wealth uh, because of his love for his church and the financial means that he seems to have had. Gaius was willing to give a lot of that towards furthering the gospel through mission work, through sending brethren on their way to preach the gospel. Verse 7 shows that John is talking about money because he says that these implied missionaries went forth for his, that is, for Jesus' name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. What would they need to take if they didn't have these needs met already? Well, they would have needed to take money, right, financial assistance uh, for their work. But they didn't have to because Gaius was supplying their needs. So again, it seems to be heavily implied here that Gaius must have been uh, someone of considerable financial means, and he was using those financial means for the furtherance of the gospel. I'm reminded of 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches. But what are we supposed to trust in? Trust in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. Let those who are rich in this present age, do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, 
willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. If we find ourselves with considerable financial means, and really think about it in America, and many of our listeners are are in America uh, or other similar countries that have a lot of wealth, uh, we've been tremendously blessed with a lot of financial ability, and we have responsibility to use those finances when we can and uh, when opportunities arise to further the gospel, to take care of others, to help people, etc. Um, and so you think about it, many of us who are probably listening to this on our iPhones or our Android phones or, or what have you, uh, on computers, it costs hundreds of dollars. When we have these abilities that we have been given financially, we have tremendous responsibility to do what we can to aid in benevolence and edification uh, and evangelism of the Lord's church. So just a side note, but a very important thing there. Gaius, uh, it appears that he definitely took First Timothy Verses six or chapter six, verses seventeen through nineteen to heart. Uh, that idea there. Verse number eight. Speaking of guys, it says, "We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth." Gaius's example is one for all to follow. The things that Gaius uh, was doing, and presumably other Christians along with him, uh, similarly blessed Christians helping in similar fashion, uh, supporting mission works. This is something that needed to continue and other Christians needed to take note of and uh, do as well. So we go from a great, wonderful example of our Christian brother named Gaius, and we go to a horrible example next, and that is the example in verses 9 through 11 of Diotrephes. Diotrephes can only be described as an arrogant troublemaker. Let's look at verse number nine. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Diotrephes, and perhaps you know someone like this. Uh, There tend to be people like this in, in many congregations sometimes, unfortunately, and they cause problems. But Diotrephes comes across as a know-it-all, somebody that does not care to hear from the Apostle John and what he has to say, and so he didn't receive John. Why is Diotrephes like this? Well, because he loved to have the preeminence. He wanted to be front and center. He wanted to call all the shots. It was an attitude with Diotrephes of my way or the highway. This kind of attitude is a cancer in the church. How do you treat cancer? You have to remove it, don't you? So Diotrephes, he he needed to be removed. Verse number 10, further describing Diotrephes, says, Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Diotrephes was guilty of prating against the apostles, and I'm sure others as well, with malicious words. Prating 
means to talk on and on foolishly to the accomplishment of nothing. So Diotrephes was bad-mouthing people behind their backs. He was backbiting, stirring up trouble, trying to turn people against one another, trying to split the church, essentially. Uh, Prating, I have a note in my Bible. It says, talking nonsense. Ouch, right? (laughs) That's... That's what Diotrephes was guilty of, talking nonsense against the apostles and and others. So he was guilty of sowing discord among brethren, undoubtedly. Uh, That's a thing that God hates, by the way, Proverbs 6, verse 19. Diotrephes was guilty not only of that, but also of not receiving the brethren and forbidding those who wanted to receive the brethren from doing so and putting them out of the church. This is not talking about church discipline. Church discipline is commanded in the Bible. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, several other passages as well. Uh, Certainly church discipline is needed. In fact, Diotrephes needed to be withdrawn from. So this is not saying that uh, it's not getting on to Diotrephes for practicing church discipline. That's not what Diotrephes was doing. Uh, He was way out of line. He was doing things he should not have been doing. But... uh, Need to make sure and take note of that here. So, why would then Diotrephes, why would he not want to accept faithful brethren? And maybe in context, maybe he's talking about, uh, maybe he wasn't accepting these missionaries that Gaius was supporting. I don't know. You think about it and why, what, what might motivate Diotrephes in these evil actions? Maybe it had to do with money. Maybe uh, it had to do with, Diotrephes' pride, we know that that he was prideful because he wanted the preeminence. So the bottom line is that um, Diotrephes is a very evil, evil, unfaithful brother. And John says that he had to be dealt with. So you've got two very much opposite characters in Gaius and Diotrephes. So verse number 11, John says, do not imitate. He says, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Very clearly, there's a contrast here between the good and faithful Gaius and the evil Diotrephes. Well, finally, John is going to give us one more good character study, and it's found in verse number 12, and that is Demetrius. Just one verse on Demetrius, but uh, Demetrius is a great Christian example. Verse number 12, Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. He had a good testimony from all, so Demetrius was well known for being a good, faithful Christian. The uh, truth itself testified to the fact that the truth was exemplified in the way that Demetrius lived his life according to the truth. So the attitude and example of Demetrius is what all Christians should be striving to have. We need to have the same attitude that Demetrius had, Demetrius and Gaius, uh, for that matter. John says, we also bear witness, uh, I guess the the apostles bearing witness, or maybe just Christians in general bearing witness, and uh, he says, you know that our testimony is true. So they bore witness, they They recommended, we might say, uh, Demetrius as a good and faithful brother in Christ. Well, finally, we want to see how John wraps up the third epistle, 
verses 13 and 14. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Again, uh, don't forget this. We talked about this last week, but uh, some things are better said face to face, not via email or text message or Facebook or what have you. No, some things are better said face to face. And then John uh, wraps up his epistle with the following conclusion. He says, peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. And I like that. That's a good way to uh, end John's epistles. Certainly, there's much to be learned in this very short epistle, as is the case uh, in all of John's epistles. I really enjoy these three character studies in Third John. Who doesn't like a good character study, right? Uh, I know a lot of preachers preach uh, entire sermon series on character studies, and that can be a very effective way to uh, to teach a lot of biblical principles. Lord willing, next week we will be looking at the book of Jude. Then we'll be finished up with our general epistles, and we'll have a few other topics for the rest of this season. But I do thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast Season 6, and I hope that you'll continue uh, tuning in each week as we uh, head toward the end of another season of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.